Welcome to the Abiding Word with Pastor Jim Swigert of Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Pastor Jim is teaching through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Now let's join Pastor Jim for today's Abiding Word. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We left off a few weeks ago. Certainly by now we understand that the Apostle Paul was writing this letter to encourage the saints there at Thessalonica as they were shaken, they were troubled at the false teaching that was coming in. Uh, Simply put, they were, you know, being told they missed the rapture and that the tribulation came, the day of the Lord had come. And, And so remember that Paul wanted them to not be deceived And he gave them three essentials um, that needed to take place before the day of the Lord. Remember the falling away, the apostasy that would come. And we looked at uh, several scriptures pointing to the apostasy of the church in the last days or the professing church in the last days. And that certainly then um, brings in, uh, you know, the falling away. There's always been a falling away since the you know, first century church. There's always been a falling away. But as it says here in the scriptures, it's the falling away. And so the great apostasy of the church, but that also includes, uh, my conviction anyway, that includes a, a worldwide, just a departure of you, you know, morality. You know, Jesus said, in the end times, the love will grow cold. We certainly see that. We witness that. We experience that in the world today, um, you know, where the society and culture certainly moved away from truth. But, you know, emphasis really is on the church. You know, the church is in that, you know, apostasy, the falling away as leaving or departing from the basic essentials of Christianity. And we looked at that. And then the man of sin. This is the Antichrist that, the Apostle Paul uh, mentioned the son of perdition, the man of lawlessness. In Revelation 13, verse 1, he's called the beast. And remember in 1 John 4, verse 3, we're told, in every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which we have heard was coming and now already in the world. So we know that there is a spirit of Antichrist, which has always existed. And then there is the Antichrist, this man of lawlessness, this man of sin. Um, You know, the Bible doesn't tell us who this man will be. All the guesses that we've heard forever, um, I don't think any of them is right to this point. Uh, And we've seen that throughout history. Um, And Daniel 7, uh, verse 20, we're, we're, you know, The Lord gives us some details. And the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn which came up before which three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth, which spoke pompous words, words whose appearance was greater than his fellows. That tells us there, and if you're familiar with the book of Daniel, which you should be, right, is that God has a lot there to say about future times and that the visions that he gave uh, the prophet Daniel, and we know that there is a kingdom coming, the revived Roman Empire, 
and we know that the Antichrist will be the leader, and you know he'll be greater than his fellows. He's going to stand out. And then what about Daniel 8 uh, and 8? We know that uh, he will be, um, it says that he will be uh, clever and that he will know sinister schemes. And obviously we know he's going to be possessed of the devil, right? And so no doubt he's going to uh, know these sinister schemes. Now we briefly looked at that phrase in verse 4 of 2 Thessalonians, uh, so that he sits as God and the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Because I know my audience there, you know this. The abomination of desolation, and we know if we turn to Daniel 9, uh, 27, or uh, on the screen there, um, we have, uh, if that's not highlighted in your Bibles, you should highlight it. If you need a highlighter, tell me and I'll throw it to you. That perks some people up. But remember, this is an important verse as far as Bible prophecy goes. And it says here, Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for, a, for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on desolate. Now, this again, this is a triggering verse in Bible prophecy because it speaks of the he who is the Antichrist. And so the he is going to make a covenant with the many, which is Israel. We know the Bible speaks of a future temple that will be built. And in the middle of you know the, the Holy of Holies, the Antichrist is going to set himself up. This is, again, as the Bible says right here, three and a half years into this tribulation period, meaning at the halfway point, the Antichrist is going to demand to be worshipped. All right, His true colors are going to come. At the beginning of the tribulation period, or after the rapture, okay, people are going to fall for him because he's Antichrist. Antichrist doesn't mean the opposite of. It means in place of. He's going to be a false messiah. And let me ask you this, is the world ready for a Messiah to come on the scene? I mean, my goodness, everywhere you turn, people are sick and tired of their governments, and it's like nobody knows what's going on. We know what's going on, but it's like complete chaos. And it just seems to get more and more and more. Don't you see that the world is ripe for a world leader to come on stage and have all the answers, to have a lot of charisma and say, okay, we... We have somebody here. We, we can follow him. He, he's speaking of things. He's going to have uh, master economic plans. He's going to bring in a peace. But as we know from First Thessalonians, graduates, right? Chapter 5, it's a, it's a false peace. And there's going to be this false peace at the beginning of the tribulation period. Now, if you don't believe the book of Daniel, remember that in Matthew chapter 24... Jesus mentioned this about the abomination of desolation in Matthew 24, 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, and then exhortation is given to those Jews who will be here during that time, the abomination of desolation, when you see. Now, some people want to say, well, the abomination of desolation already occurred with Antiochus Epiphanes, 
you know, and that time. Well, what then do we say with what Jesus? Because Jesus is talking future. And certainly that was abomination of desolation when the, when the temple was desecrated, the altar was desecrated, absolutely. But Jesus is talking about future times. And so in all this, this is a fascinating chapter which gives us Bible timeline of, of prophecy of what is going to take place in the future. And, um, and then in verse 5, Paul says, and I think it's interesting that in verse 5, uh, 2 Thessalonians, I mean, we, we haven't given 2 Thessalonians. There's so much there to just chew on and dig in and, and the whole Bible. But I find it interesting after Paul was encouraging them, telling them, let no one be deceived at these false teachers because these things need to take place. The man of lawlessness or the son of perdition is to, to be here, the falling away. And then he's going to talk about the restrainer being removed. But right in the middle of that, he says, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Now, you know, I don't want to overanalyze the Bible because God in his infinite wisdom is always right. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be good to overanalyze the Bible, but I find it interesting right in the middle of all this that is being shown for God's timeline of prophetic things and things of the future, we have this do not, don't forget, do not or do you not remember what I told you. And obviously in context, that's pointing to, you know, Paul came there. Remember, we looked at that. In Acts 17, he came there to Thessalonica, a church started. We don't know how long he was there. Some say three weeks, some say three months, some say less than a year. Less than a year is a short period of time. Think back to you when you began be, becoming a Bible student, you know, when you got saved and you got into the Word of God. And think how long it took to, to progress and you're growing in the true grace and knowledge of our Lord. It takes time, right, to grow. So Paul gave all these things that he's talking about to them. That tells us Bible prophecy is important. Amen? Come on, I know you guys better than this. Amen. You know that. So it's, it's good for us to certainly have an understanding. But in the midst of this, all the details given, he says, do you not remember I taught you these things? And again, he's encouraging them uh, with these false teachers. But you know, I think it goes deeper because even this verse here is for you and I, obviously, of the Spirit speaking to us. Remember what the Word of God has told us. And that just isn't facts. That just isn't doctrine. It's not just about having facts, but it's taking these things and applying them to our lives which gives us peace. Amen? We do not have to fear a thing of what's going on in this world because of what God has said in his word. Amen? We know what the future holds. We know our, our you know, we, we've been given everlasting life. This, this life here on earth is nothing but a blip. We will be in an eternity with God forever and forever. The enemy has nothing over us. Um, But we do need to take heed to the word. And remember in 1 John 4, 1, you know, certainly we need to test every spirit. As it says there, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because, may, 
because many false prophets have going out into the world. And so if it's not of God, we need to cast it away. Amen? That's a given. But it's interesting, as the Bible tells us, but know this, in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. We know these scriptures that we went over. My point is getting to this. As we live in these days, we have to have the attitude and the heart but God, right? Because we're not immune to the storms of life coming our way. We have to deal with life just like anybody else. We deal with, with heartaches. We deal with loss. We deal with overwhelming circumstances that we have to first say, but God. And when we do, the peace of God comes to us. And, uh, you know, again, not just facts, but practical application. Because God is not the author of confusion. But sometimes we can let life overwhelm us that it, doubt starts to creep in. Anybody ever get to, to that place? We're just a little bit of seed of doubt. Lord, where are you? I must be reading Job during the mornings. Those who are reading their Bible reading plan. You know, Job is hard. It's like, I want to get done with Job because it's... But I'm not to the end yet. You see, Job had but God moments. And you look at all the Bible greats. They all had but God moments. We don't know where you are, Lord. We don't know what you're doing. Our eyes are on you, but I'm feeling... You know, John read the scripture in Psalm 103. It's just interesting. I was thinking of and having my notes... Psalm 42, 9 through 11. Um, if we could get that on the screen. Psalm 42, 9, 11. Uh, many think that Psalm 42 is coming from David when he was... Uh, is that not on the screen? I must not have that one. Anyway, Psalm 42, 9, 9 through 11. I want to read this. You know Psalm 42. Many, many scholars, uh, commentators believe this is David when he was experiencing the trial with Absalom. You remember Absalom, upset with his father because David didn't deal with some things with his Tamar's sister. And then verse 9 says, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? as with a breaking of my bones. My enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Do you ever get that whisper sometimes in your ear? Where's God? You know that's not the Lord. That's the enemy. The enemy of our soul. Verse 11, why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance in my God. This is a great example of your life and my life, living in the days that we are, not just the, uh, the, the times that we're living in, but life in general. The enemy hates us, and he's going to come against us. We're going we're gonna to have overwhelming circumstances in life. It's just, and sometimes what we experience is because we are following God, and the pressure gets ramped up. You know what I'm saying? The pressure of living for Jesus sometimes gets very heavy. And that's why we've got to continuously, you know, even if it means talking to ourselves, oh, my soul. I mean, this is despair, but, you know, David 
this is David, he's at a very troubling time in his life. Where's God? And I love hearing stories, even in our own fellowship here, and how you are overcoming. And essentially, that's the, that's the theme of our lives as believers. We overcome the world that we live in. And I'm being reminded over and over that the world that we live in, we're not immune to, to trials and sufferings. But I'm being reminded of we live in an evil world. And that just didn't start. It didn't start at COVID. And a lot of things have been exposed since COVID, but the evilness of the world did not start with COVID-19. It started in the garden where man began to reject God and question what he has said. And for you and I, we always go back to what God has said. What does he say? What does he say about you? Well, we sang some songs this morning and our hearts poured out to him. He, he loves us. We're blessed. We're highly favored by God. See, we can always go back to the truth of God. Remember, these believers, they were shaken, they were troubled and going through hard times, and right in the middle of these different details, we have this. Remember what I have taught you. And for us, it's remember what God has shown us in his word and what he has said. Moving on then, verse 6. And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And so here is another reason Paul is giving that the day of the Lord had not yet come. The tribulation had not yet come because the Antichrist had not been revealed. Because there is something and someone who is restraining. Now, restraining means to hold back or to hold down. So the word's telling us here there is something, someone, who is holding down the revelation of the Antichrist. That's interesting to think about, right? Uh, we understand... Um, it's interesting words be talked about, you know, in Galatians it talks about the fullness of time when Jesus came. It was an appointed time. And I get great comfort in that because it's all about God and Him being sovereign and He is in control. And at the right time, He sent the Messiah to be born into this world. At the right time, He sent the Messiah to the cross. And in the fullness of time, the Antichrist will be revealed. It says here um, in verse 6 that he may be revealed in his own time. That doesn't mean that the Antichrist is just waiting for his time. I firmly believe that there has been times where Satan thought this is it and probably tried, but there's a restrainer holding him back. That means God is in control. Amen? Are you with me? God the Father is sovereign. And you think about Jesus many times in his public ministry. My time yet is not at hand. So again, it's comforting to know that God is in control. Now the question here is, who is the restrainer? And verse 6 
it says, and now you know what is restraining. In verse 7, it says, only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Throughout the ages, there have been differing views as to what or who is the restrainer. Let me just list a few for you. The Roman Empire. The Jewish state. Satan. Human government by the principle of law and order. God, the Holy Spirit, and then the church as the true church of Jesus Christ is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And that's our conviction, that's our doctrine, that the restrainer is the church indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and at that moment that the church is taken out or taken away, and when is that? The rapture, that is, at that time, then that restrainer will no longer be restraining the Antichrist, not the spirit of the Antichrist, but the Antichrist. So when the church is taken away, the door is open because God opens the door that the Antichrist would then be revealed. And we know back then to Daniel chapter 9, after the rapture, after the church is taken away, the Antichrist will come onto the scene. Now, he may be born already. I would be shocked to say, and I'm not saying thus saith the Lord, so don't go <laughs> promoting this anywhere. How could he not be living now? But then again, I think back over the decades and centuries and a long time, there's probably been many times, how can we not say or believe that the Antichrist is, is on the scene or born yet? But when you see all that's taking place, and we're living in a time where, you know, just five years ago, some of the things that got to take place to even think about Daniel 9, 27, to think about how there could possibly be a situation where there would be offerings and sacrifices at the temple to being done. I mean, you know what has to take place for that? You've got to have a lot of things happen that have never happened before in history like the Muslims allowing it to happen, for one, and the biggest. Five years ago, this was really unheard of, and then all of a sudden you start seeing the Abraham, Abraham Accord and all these different things happen. You're seeing things stirred up. That's like, oh my goodness, this could really happen. When you think about the New World Order, again, that's nothing new under the sun. This has been uh, attempted for, well, back in Genesis, a New World Order. And then we see what happened with COVID. It's really exposed. Even non-believers know that something is up. Something's going on here called control, new world order, certainly in need of a world dictator to come onto the scene to make some sense out of all that's going on. See, it, things are ripe. And then you think about, you know, under the umbrella of the new world order, you have a... a, a World government, right? We already know from Daniel and other places that the future revived Roman Empire, things are happening under the surface. You think about, okay, what about religion? Is there any talk 
of all religions coming together under the new world order that, you know, Christians can live together and Muslims can live together and Judaism can live together. Can we just build a place to where we can just all come and we can all worship our God because our gods are true? No, there's one God. And so there's going to be this false religion, and we're ripe for this, right? Uh, because Christian, true Christianity is, has been, always been under attack, but you know, now you and I, we're the problem, Bible-believing Christians, because we say there's one way, and that is in the way. So in a sense, that is restraining, right? So when Christians are out of the way, when the true church is out of the way, these things will come to fruition. Now, some say, well, it's interesting now. Let me take a survey. Can we do a survey in church? How many of your Bibles in chapter, or excuse me, uh, verse 7 says, only he, how many of your Bibles have the capital H in he? Okay, how many of you, and this is, listen, you're saved. This is no, uh, no extra points or anything. How many of your Bibles do not have capital H? Okay. So different translations, and it's interesting then, the influence of who is the restrainer, right? Now, I will say those who have the ESV, I don't think any pronouns of God are capitalized, right? Am I correct in that? But you think of the H, uh, the, the capital, the he, well, let's go to some scripture. How about John chapter 14, verse 26? John chapter 14, verse 26. Which says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And then what about John 15, 26? It says, but when the helper comes whom I shall send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. How about John chapter 16, verse 8, which says, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And so, Think about this too. Consider when we're thinking about the church being dwelt with the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us, Jesus said, we are the salt of the earth and light of the world. Salt, obviously, is something that preserves and hinders the spread of contamination. I was going to say corruption, but that's true too. Uh, light dispels darkness the sphere in which men love to perform deeds. And so again, the restraining influence. Now, the question comes up, well, if the Holy Spirit is, takes out the church, how does the Holy Spirit work on earth? Because we, we know, right, from the scriptures that there will be those after the rapture, those in the tribulation who will come to know the Lord. Well, what happened in the Old Testament? You see, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the church age is different than what it is in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon believers. He would draw uh, people to God. In the New Testament, 
the Holy Spirit indwells believers. Now some will say, well, the restraining influence, the church taken out of the way, does that mean that these tribulation saints would not have the filling of the Holy Spirit? I believe they will have the filling of the Holy Spirit. But I believe that the church taken out, that restraining influence on the earth. And so Paul is saying this, the day of the Lord can't happen until uh, the Antichrist is revealed. We're also told here in 2 Thessalonians uh, verse 8 then, And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So the mystery of lawlessness is already at work in verse 7. We need to go back to that, I guess. Uh, Mystery, as we know, means something that is not yet revealed. It's the truth not revealed and we know that there's the lawlessness is already at work. Uh, we see that in the world. Evil is already at work. But in the tribulation period, as you know, the lawlessness with the church out of the way, without law, actions of in violation of, there's going to be no law. And so people, you know, the nonsense of defunding police and defunding law and all those things, uh, has a consequence on people. It breeds evil, right? When there is no standard of, of law, a society cannot exist. So certainly exists today. But after the church is out of the way, the lawless, one, the lawless one will be revealed and the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth. This is the best part of this passage of Scripture. This is Paul encouraging the saints. All all this can't happen until the evil one, the man of lawlessness, has been revealed. And we know the end of the story here. That Jesus wins. Jesus already won. But again, this this is our hope. And he talked about these things. The Antichrist will be doomed. And when that word, that word consume means abolish, kill, Slay him with the breath of his mouth. And let's just read Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 15. This is another passage we should all have highlighted. Amen. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name except that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule with them with a rod of iron, and himself, he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he 
has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of the kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast, this is the Antichrist, the kings of the earth and the armies, gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Those two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. So again, that reminds us at the end of the tribulation period at Armageddon that Jesus, his second coming, and Paul tells us that he is going to consume the beast, the Antichrist. And so we also see here, it says, um, with the brightness of his come. Certainly when, 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 when the Lord speaks, you know, we, we think of you know, Hebrews 4.12, that his word is a double-edged sword, it's, it's active, it's living. When you think of with the description that we read in, in Revelation 19, the word God speaking, certainly with authority and power that is rightfully his. But we have this brightness of his coming, speaks of his appearance, and the word brightness here speaks of epiphany, and it's the same word used in 2 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 8, where that says, finally laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now this is interesting. You and I, are we're waiting for Jesus to come for his church, but you catch, and as you know, in Revelation 19, we come back with Jesus on the white horse, right? We are going to love that. And when you think about it, it's like, you know, the, the competitive thing in the heart, it's like, yes. But it's going to be so much more for you and I. Because then we know it's, 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 this, it's the start of God making things the way they're supposed to be. That's our hope. Not just a wishful hope, but that's the assurance that we have. This isn't all there is. God is working on his timeline. It will all take place when he says it's going to take place. And at that coming, we will, we will be there. We will witness it. And then that millennial kingdom will be set up. A literal thousand years, the Bible tells us. But things are going to be the way God intended them to be for eternity for you and I. So it's not going to be just about revenge, right? 
It's not going to be just about revenge. That yes, God's going to get them. Because God's heart, his attitude, is as we are living in this age of grace, he's desiring for all mankind to come to him. And God is so full of grace, even in the tribulation. Now listen, if you're here this morning and you have never confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to do so. The invitation is, come to me. That's always the invitation. Come to me. Come to me. Because there's going to be a time when it's not, this time will be gone. And we don't know what could happen when we walk out that door. It's the same way as believers then, we understand this time's coming. And we should have that desire that when we, when we meet him, that there's nothing that could hinder us of desiring him. This is more than just historical facts or, or looking at future facts and, and saying, well, I know prophecy. And I know there's many people like that. Well, I know, I know what's going to happen. I'm good. This all points to the reign of Jesus Christ. That's been the desire. That's God's plan, that Jesus reigning, the King of kings, Lord of lords. And the Bible says, Paul said in Philippians 2, that all shall bow their knee and confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Now we know when the Antichrist comes, verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power signs and lying wonders and with all the unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they may be saved. Wow. So Satan's going to possess the Antichrist, empowering him to think that he is God, uh, empowering him to do signs and wonders, miracles. Miracles aren't just uh, you know, for God. Satan is going to do miracles. And uh, all in attempt to you know, really come against God. When you think about signs and wonders, how can we forget what the Bible says in Revelation 13. Again, this is after the rapture. This is after the abomination of desolation, right? Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast, and they worshipped the dragon and gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies that was given authority continue for 42 months. So there we... He, he mocks the resurrection of Jesus Christ here. And some will say, well, does he... Is the Antichrist really... Does he really die? Is he, is he truly fatally wounded? And I'll get in those arguments. I believe he, he will be fatally wounded because the Bible says he's fatally wounded. And then he's going to be come to life. And all of it mocking the resurrection of Jesus and all pointing to 
worshiping the beast, worshiping the Antichrist. Um, and then it says, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And as we read on, it says, and for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Strong delusion. I've used the phrase Kool-Aid at times. And, uh, strong delusion speaks of the working of air, simply meaning turning them over to their preferred belief. The word delusion here is a wandering, a straying about, an air which shows itself in action. The lie. Now this, this speaks of Romans chapter 1, doesn't it? That God turned them over to their depraved minds. We say that happening today, that God is turning man over to, if he wants to believe that there's, you, you know, all different kinds of things coming against God in the harmony that he has created man and woman together. A man wants to come against that. Their conscience gets seared and God just simply turns them over. That's what's happening now. God has turned us over to the working air that's taken place. And it all stems from the lie. Rejecting God for his word. Rejecting God. Rebelling against God. What we see in the world is nothing new to God. He, he knew this would happen, the depths of man's depravity. Where we could end up being where we are today, that you and I, just a few years ago, like, man, how did this happen so fast? And it's not just with the gender issues. It's all rebellion against God. Strong delusion. But ultimately, there comes a time that God says enough. And all these things, as we, we read this, certainly as you are prophecy students, you know what the Bible says about the coming of the Lord, understanding that the days that we're living in, but it's just not for our knowledge. We should reflect often what God has done for us. That's where you read the Psalms of, David, so many times in a very tough spot in life, he's calling out to God. And as he calls out to God, the Spirit of God's moving in his heart and he gets to a better place. His countenance is better. And for you and I as believers, it can be gloom and doom a lot as we see what's going on in the world. But we need to stop and remember what God has done. We get to do that this morning with communion. But it's not just about communion at church, we need to constantly be reflecting what God has done in our lives. Well, what has God done in your life? Well, he's delivered you from your Egypt. He's delivered you from the world. He, he sent his son to die on the cross for your sin. You, you received that salvation as you confess Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've witnessed and experienced miracles in your life, how God's worked. You've experienced coming into a fellowship together in the unity and fellowship and sweetness of serving God. 
whatever, whatever your story is, it's, it's special because God's in it. God's delivered you from your sin. He's with you. He's filled you with his spirit that you would be empowered to live life for him. And so this morning, we're going to remember specifically what Jesus has done. The servants could get up and we'll begin passing out the communion. Hello, this is Pastor Jim from Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship located in northern Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to today's Abiding Word. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So we hope the word has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord today. You can email me at pastorjimswigert at gmail.com. That's pastorjimswigert at gmail.com with any comments or prayer requests. You can also connect with us at Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Church website is calvarychapelfaithfellowship.org. There you can learn more about the ministry of Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Thank you and God bless.